and welcome back after a short break. As always, thank you so much for tuning in again this month for AIR, an interview podcast series with a different theme each episode. Before we get started, a quick note for those of you who haven't already, you can follow us on Instagram at at underscore AIR podcast or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash AIR podcast. I am so excited to share that this month's guests are two of my favorite DJs and producers, Eris Drew and Octo Octa. After meeting several years ago when Eris was a hospitality driver for Smart Bar, the two met and felt an instant connection that has only grown over the years. Kindred spirits in both music and life, the pair released their first split EP entitled Devotion in 2018, sharing the same artistic values that make their music deeply moving in all senses of the word. Their DJ sets, meanwhile, light up the dance floor. Their back-to-backs can be as bombastic and high energy as they are personal and emotive, speaking to a healing force that seems to drive all of their work. In this episode, we discuss their back-to-backs, their joint tour and label T4T Love Energy, and their collaborative project Alchemical Sisters, the latest addition to a cosmic world in full color. Maya, Eris, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. Thanks. We're excited to be speaking with you. Yeah, thanks for having us. So as I said earlier, I want to explore sort of what exactly makes a successful back-to-back for you. I guess that kind of starts maybe long before you actually get in the booth to play. So where or when does a back-to-back start for you? Is it when you're packing your record bags, uh, maybe even before that? 
I think it started the second time we hung out. We started playing music for each other. Yeah. So, and then we, you know, we just kept doing that. Like every day we play music for each other. It's been an ongoing process for such a long time because her and I play together so much. And it's also in, in tune with our relationship and how our relationship developed um, and how we came together. For a while, we didn't play. We didn't, after we started dating, we didn't play together for four months or something. Like we didn't even mix together. Like, yeah. like we'd be hanging out because it was much more fun activities to do than DJing mm-hmm. together. <laughs> Sort of relationship. Well, and her decks were kind of messed up. Yes, yeah, my turntables were messed up. But we definitely like, yeah. So we were playing. We started playing music for each other though immediately. And then, so then, by the time the first time we played, we hadn't had any time to DJ together privately. But we had built this language of music, and we'd also though been watching what each other did. So we were artists who. You know, I, there's there's like a lot of artists that kind of get pushed together um, to do back-to-backs a lot in this scene. Um, and I, I'm all for chaos, and sometimes that can work out great. But I will tell you, what I have with Maya comes from intimacy and communication. And it's our five-year anniversary today. Five years talking about music, and even before that, actually. I mean, do you know what? So do you know what? I really loved that, both of your answers so much. But actually, what I was asking is, like, what, when, when do you start thinking about what you're going to be doing for your back to back? That's it. That's the point. The point is that it's, it's, it's because we do it so much together. Right. Okay. It's been an ongoing process for nearly five years. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no discontinuity. I think that's the point is the process. Right. Like, if you're asking when we start started to prepare for our b2b's it would be them. okay if there's some kind of cycle like no not really it's just constant communication mm-hmm. there's a natural cycle to coming home and what we do is we have all our discogs orders so we end up like putting new stuff in our bags and we just want a little new energy in the bags I, I guess i guess one one part to to explain why we say it's a slow ongoing process is that our record bags are never fully emptied in between tours um it is a it is a constant rotational process with the bag so sometimes it changes just a little sometimes it might change a lot and a lot is like 30 percent of the records get swapped out maybe yeah. so we we really like um living with the music for a long time and playing it over and over again and working it with other records and and discovering um deeper influences that are there and how they work with other things and then that also plays into what we're doing so it's uh you know we we finish a set and then we definitely love to uh you know break down how it went what sounded good a mix that neither of us necessarily expected to do and that that really had a wonderful interplay and think about that for the future possibly okay i like that a lot yeah i mean i think the other thing is that because we live together and we live our lives together we're the context around us is constantly informing what goes in those bags yeah what messages are in the records like and even just the styles we're picking like we've now just spent about like five months at home we've done some gigs and they've been amazing but like um i hurt my ear in october so it necessarily affected the music we were listening to because i went through about six weeks of not even knowing if i could listen to music again. wow and we slowly reintroduced stuff and so our phonica mix that we just did it's like very it's like it's peaceful. It honestly is. Like there's some pain moments still. Like my, you know, Maya and I are always high on energy, but like it's peaceful. It's stuff without a lot of resonant, like 
like uh, harmonic distortion and stuff like that. Like, so, so it's like things like this, like, it's almost like saying the, the weather of our relationship and our lives, like is constantly bleeding into these bags. I like the idea of the weather. Um, I was going to ask actually about, you know, maybe the music that you listen to or the books that you read or the films that you watch or what you spend your time t- doing together before a gig. Does that all kind of filter in? But it sounds like it really does. Sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's her and I are both also very much kind of autobiographical artists. So the, 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 the records that we choose to play and bring out on the road, we very much like music that has uh, messages and, and very much emotion built into them. So how we're feeling and what we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis deeply plays into what's going to be played out that night. Like we, like we played a renegade um, a couple weeks ago together with our our friend Faye and Envelope Sound System. Envelope Sound System, and the party's mm-hmm. called Astro, and it was like under the giant sequoia in Oakland, wow. California. Cool. Total renegade, totally illegal. <laughs> I appeared under an alias. So did Maya. The sound system was built by hand by trans hands. There was no alcohol sold at this party. So like 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 that kind of stuff also does affect what's I don't have a lot of hardcore. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. so to her point about messages, like we went in knowing we were gonna play on this sound system that was designed by our friend. And then also that we were gonna be in this environment of nature with like our our trans community. Mm. <laughs> so you know, like um songs uh like I, I play this cover of um this old Beatles song called Tomorrow Never Knows. But the band that covers it, they're like a like electronic group from the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. But this mix is like a, a techno mix of this beautiful song and the group's called Evergreen. And so the song really feels like it's about Mother Earth, you know? Um, so anyway, so, you know, I brought that record to let that unfold in the middle of this hardcore set because I thought that that would really honor the space. And then also, because um, it's saying things like the earth, you know, she is, it is not dying and things like this and lyrics and to let yourself really unfold and like be in the void and like not let, you know, let your worries down for a moment and surrender to this moment of nature. So that's not going to really resonate the same way for me in a, in a warehouse to like a crowd of people who paid $200 for tickets. To- <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you, so are you carrying every gig with you especially the ones that mean something or is it kind of like that you have to sort of let them go because otherwise you'd just be comparing everything and it wouldn't really be productive if that makes sense that's interesting um there's definitely like there's definitely like a log book in my memory of my life and the gigs that have mattered the most like the one we just played for uh, the estra um rave was like my favorite gig I've played in my entire life. Like I've been waiting 20 years to play that party. Like I, I didn't know 20 years ago that that was the party I wanted to play, <laughs> but like that's what it really felt like yeah. in that moment. And it's just like, it can't always be that. I've been touring for 10 years. So I I know every gig's not going to be that, but the thing that I always bring into it every single time is I everything has the potential to kind of like be an incredible time from you know, sometimes you'll think the big festival uh, headline slot is going to be the most amazing thing. And it might be really great. But actually, the weekend after that, when you played the basement to like 150 people that most of them didn't even know who you were, like, that was the one that like really got you going. So um, I think being open to the potential of 
any moment being a really great moment is that's at least how I try to try to look at it and carry forward into each gig. Um, for me personally, like I have to carry them with me because yeah, they're not all the same. Um, like there's this one I played for this group called Tough in Seattle years ago that I carry with me. And the reason I say I got to carry them with me is because like there's a lot of spaces we play where I, I don't really know what, what the intentions and what is kind of going on. And there's so many mixed intentions. Um, it's easy for an artist to actually get quite, I think, um, lost in, in all that, um, you know, spiritually or just in, in different ways. So anyway, so I try to carry those experiences into these gigs. So it gives me a strong sense of who I am and my focus and what I play. Because then, then, you know, if things don't go right, or if maybe I feel a little strange that night, or if I don't like something I'm seeing, I still know I'm there to do that. And maybe I only turn on a few people that night, or maybe I turn on a room of thousands but I'm going to do what I do and carry with me those, those experiences where it was most pure, most kind of, you know, right on most with my community, you know, the most sort of transcendental and, and, and beautiful. I want to talk about something that actually I really love, which you talked about in, I think it was your crack magazine interview. It's a ritual that you have before you play a T for T event specifically where you sort of gather a few elements like lavender and salt and you play one of Maya's tracks really loud to kind of fill the room with this energy. And I think that's so special. Can you talk a bit about that ritual and how it kind of contributes to that transcendental feeling that you were talking about, Eris? Well, I mean, ritual is important and the rituals in our lives now, you know, I think a lot of them, a lot of them, we don't like that much. So it's good to replace those things with other things. So we walk in and play in a lot of compromised spaces. And by that, I mean, we play in a lot of places where the main, the main thing is kind of being sold as alcohol and where, um, where there's a lot of different intentions, like I said before. So we got to ground ourselves out because we always are arriving places we've traveled. We're two transgender women navigating the world. And I don't want to sound tender, but it's not, you know, it's not always easy. So when we get somewhere um, and we want to really create a kind of grounded energy in the space, can we do this little ritual together? Parts of it are kind of chaos magic and I'm probably not going to talk too much about. There's very simple things like the lavender. It just feels nice to bring a little nature into these very cold spaces because that's our intention. So it's kind of a metaphor for what we want to do with the music. And also... People's energy is so up at events right now. You know, it's like at 12, you know, it's the variable 11 on the amplifier. And it's just like lavender is grounding. It's something that helps you sleep. It's something that helps you just feel like comfortable in the space. You put it on your pillow. <laughs> so, so we have that all around us. And we hope that that just like brings things down. We want everything at like 10, just not at like 11. Yeah. <laughs> We're both witches, so we both practice magic, and it's truly, it's 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 truly important to it as 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 actual as like you know literal magic users for what we like to do. Um, a large part of that is intention, setting intentions is is definitely um, I don't know, almost like the number one kind of power that you're pushing forward there. So it's something that we do 
a lot to set up what we hope to see in, in spaces. Maya, there was something you said in this Craft Magazine interview um, that actually, like, I can't even tell you why it felt so special to read for me, but it really resonated with me so much. And I don't even think it really applies to my life in the same way as it does yours. But you said, like true witches, we make all that shit up because it's the thing that feels right. If something's a sacred shape, it's because we say it is. I really like that. Um, so can you talk about that feeling and when something feels right for you? I mean, I, it's, it's, we, um, had a had one of our friends a few years ago we were just walking around and he was asking us he's like well I'm really interested in witchcraft and magic and like where should I start and just the two of us were like you just you just start like there's just it is it is exactly what it is I mean I have I've tattooed my hands with with symbols not because I read in a book that those are the symbols that I need to interact with that that work, but it's 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 what I under I just innately felt and understood in the moment that was necessary to kind of like project from myself. Yeah, we make it up. For <laughs> <laughs> me, it's it's deeply when when we use the word magic, we think it's like a nice word to use in this culture because it's really for me. I mean, it's just about like call whatever you want. Like for me, it's a subjective, like it's not objective. Like I can't show you, I can't make the butterflies do a, a figure eight for you. It's a subjective engagement with nature which okay. is like just something that lets it let it's like it's like stopping when the wind blows in a certain way and just deciding to stop in that moment instead of walking on because how could that possibly have anything to do with it <laughs> can you talk a bit about um resonant body and what makes that such a powerful record for both of you like why does it spark that kind of energy that feels right Ooh. well um first of all that records in important because it's uh i'll do a very quick setup um uh, as a as as an autobiographical artist uh all the work i've done um is almost always highly emotional in some way either in the material the musical material of it the track titles or things that are placed together um it's all it's all present in a certain way um resident body comes at a really specific time of um falling in love with this girl right here having a moment of my life of um, a lot more positivity and and movement and new feelings that I had not had in the past. Um, uh, my records before that were definitely about anxiety and nervousness and changes and um, resident body itself uh, felt like very uh, revelatory, mostly revelatory record in that it's really talking about these new exciting experiences that I'm kind of having for the first time in my 30s. My body is powerful. The, the 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 song is is an ambient piece that's a sonic attempt at, at casting a spell 
as many other things are. It's 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 about it's about vibrations in the air and in the room. It's about the sounds of nature. It's about uh, how it felt writing it in the place where we live. Um, we live in a, in a log cabin. All the wood really resonates with everything. I say it's like the body of a cello, essentially. Like it, it's it's about um, bringing bringing that forth. I, I wrote a, a later song called Spelled for Nature that was essentially in, in the same vein in a, in a different way, but just this, these kinds of ideas of, of etching a spell into wax and then um, having it be cast forth. I mean, Maya had, at, uh, you know, I mean, is it, this is, these are her intentions, right? There's also what did her, what did that album mean, you know, to others? And I mean, I'll say for me personally, it was kind of like, she and I were both going through a lot of similar things when she wrote that album. We were falling in love with each other. We were having like, like incredible experiences with our bodies together. And like that influences our work considerably. And this album captures both Maya's personal journey of her of her like loving herself and and you know so like her prior work had asked where are we going and i feel like a resonant body kind of an answered that yeah for people and that and that she was going to change something in her life and 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 she was having a, an experience of nature and 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 embodiment that i guess in some ways really healing and beautiful We've been talking a little bit about that gut instinct or that sort of feeling of when something is right and i can imagine that kind of comes up a lot when you're actually playing together. Like a lot of it is surely just working through these sort of feelings and not necessarily communicating out loud, if that makes sense, would you say? Right, because it's like we kind of try to trigger things in each other. And I don't mean that in the, in the negative sense. I mean that in the positive sense. Like we try to kind of talk to each other about the record. Yeah, very so, much so. And so it's really very... The only things we kind of say each, to each other are, um, you know, like maybe if we're going to speed it up, We'll say to each other, "Hey, let's speed it up." Something like that. So, like, so there'll be these little, little technical things sometimes. Yeah. I'll say, "I'll say, I'm going to turn the monitors down," or my, my, I'll say, "You're a little hot on the channel," because we're always trying to watch our levels and stuff. So, you know, there's like a little of that kind of like sort of technical communication, but it's it's um, really just kind of watching out for each other because we play together a lot and we process records together at home, and I go see her solo sets and it's also just like we also know what the what the records what the records are so i for for quick technical thing we our back to backs are three for three records we essentially want it set up kind of like mini sets we made this decision on the very first time we played together so that it so that we're never like mixing too fast into the other person's record it's kind of like a space to 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 do your, choose your record to mix in have have a record where you want it to go and then kind of choose something for a mix out we like to play so many different styles of music too this lets us do it in a natural way because i can kind of like take her somewhere with in that third blend whereas if i had to accomplish that with a single track it'd be quite jarring actually mm. and we can look over at the third at the third record and i know i typically know kind of what it is and be like all right sometimes i'll like pull two sets of three records where i'm like it's depending on what she's going to do at the end i think this would be a, a fun thing to do but all this all that music stuff is is um it's not communicated like ever it's, there's no there's maybe you heard me telling her i love her <laughs> but it's really me being like being like i'm gonna play this next yeah yeah I mean, we get excited when, when one of us really lands a great mix or if um 
something just sounds wonderful together. Or if we have one of these like sort of emotionally triggering moments where I'm like, oh, whoa, I didn't realize you were yeah, going to kind that. Of, kind of surprise the other one with the record is the third one. And, and then very hidden to the last <laughs> second. And then going back to context, because something in our life's changed. Right. And I haven't heard that song in a minute. All mm -hmm. of a sudden, I'm like, oh, it's that uncanny thing where all of a sudden the poem has a different meaning to you because you're reading it a few years later. Eris, actually, in one of your past interviews, you said that you do this thing where you sort of try to impress each other a little bit when you're playing together. And I really like that. Um, can you speak a bit about the dynamic of like making each other better DJs? Oh, well, you know, it's it's just fun to have someone to share this kind of thing with, you know, yeah, sure. for for many years, I had a friend or two that I was talking to very intensely and technically about music, but there were aspects of what I did that were the kind of siloed in my own space. And, um, you know, with, with Maya, it's like, we, we both wanted to like play this certain kind of arrangement style mixing that we don't know anyone else who does it quite like we do it. That's not, you know, like we're, we have a completely unique style. I mean, it's, we've learned a lot from a lot of people. The artist that that, get, that gets talked about as always represents the work of actually a lot of people. But, you know, she wanted to commu communicate with me about doing long blends, which is um, you know something I'm really into, and just about like turntable techniques. So through us communicating by about it a lot, you know, we would we we were trying to like get better together. I had to learn fast to catch up to her because she's. But it's true, she's been DJing for. 25 years. I've been making music for 20 plus years. I have been DJing for 10 years. When I was first out touring, I only did live sets and I was DJing at home, but I wasn't out in front of people for a long time. So she's a, a wonderfully technical, I mean, she's a great DJ, but but one aspect of that is, is her technical skills, fantastic. And she learned it from other people that she was also playing with in Chicago. So when I started playing with her, even though I can, was also a, only playing vinyl, my, my, my range of mixing styles and my technical ability was, was pretty slim. Um, I had a lot of gusto, uh, but um, to, to play with her, to <laughs> just, just give me a She was a great teacher. <laughs> it's very nice of her to say that, but I, I really had to like, when we talk about like having to, I, I had someone that loves me and cares for me. And also if I want to be like, how are you doing long blend mixes? Cause I can't, I have, it falls off for me after 32 bars every single time, no matter how much and she would watch me do it. And they'd be like, no, this is, maybe you should try this other style of mixing, doing pitch mixing. And so there was a lot, there's, there was moments of me just trying to like rise to the occasion so that when I was out playing with her, that I could also have her be like, hey, wait a second, that was, really, you know, you always thought things were good, but like to do like a really technically beautiful thing and like, a, especially because we're both arrangement mixers, like really kind of hit an arrangement kind of perfectly um, would definitely be like an exciting moment because I could look at her and be like, what do you think about that? <laughs> How was that? And it's not like, a, there's no competition. It's just like, I want her, I want to finish the set. And she's like, hell yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, something else that, uh, Eris, actually, you said recently about your work together is that Maya brings out obviously a romantic love in you, and that factors into your sets, making your work more radiant. And I thought the word radiant was just really beautiful as a description. Um, can you both speak a bit about how uh, your relationship is kind of opening you up as DJs? 
I feel like I could have like a Jungian view of my record collection, which would be that it represents all different parts of my psyche because I've built it over 30 years. So you could like rebuild Eris True in a virtual world through these records. The if you have the right algorithm. Yeah. So, so like when I first, when I got together with Maya, I was really embracing letting myself really um play a lot of the beautiful music I loved. I mean, in Chicago, it's like, I don't know, you know, a lot of the people I was around, they liked it a little tougher. <laughs> um, and so, so in some ways she gave me permission, but she also getting back to context, gave me context. Cause so many of the songs I love, like I'm about to release this tape by recording 1997. It's wow. Called cool. I gave it to maybe like 15 people. It was my little demo mix. I was trying to get a job. <laughs> and uh it's all these garage bangers like like just like big vocals you know just hard beats so good <laughs> but, but you know like but i play those tunes sometimes i set them you know it takes me an hour to set it up but i play those tunes sometimes but this is a mix of me just really in that this night time in 1997 when i was really getting into that stuff and so i was with maya then then just like unlocking a portion of psyche or a memory or something you know then because I had this context of falling in love, these big songs about love and the power of love and like, and That's just, and, and they're, te and they're tectonic, you know, they shake the earth and, and they're, they're songs that are huge enough. You can play them at festivals, but they have heart like music. You don't usually hear at festivals. So, you know, that's one, one way in which um, just being with her and just sharing music with her, like, let me embrace this part of, part of myself that, was just waiting, <laughs> waiting to be unlocked again. Being with her, uh, I had, uh, when our relationship started, I had just essentially left um, New York. And during the time, um, it's very much Techno City and uh, as a very much a house DJ, like very much loving house music. Um, while I loved uh, what a whole ton of my peers were doing, there weren't many other just kind of house DJs so and, I, not, and not just the lies rush hour house like she was playing like you know like like East smooth and like the house music I fell in like love folk, like with, like vocal vocal yeah exactly like like big vocal mixes and major label mixes and and things that really 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 love yeah especially because they had messages in them and it was almost a blunt instrument at the time for me to kind of hit people over the head with some messaging about things that were important to me um quite literally through lyrics <laughs> in a club um and so in her in her i found um i found my partner that also really 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 loved house music and and, and we could go back earlier in her collection and like in her 97 records find all these things that um i was finding at the time in new york and really building my collection and didn't really have other people to kind of embrace it as much i had a couple friends that liked it and i had um parties that were busy because people liked what i played but like you we were saying um i couldn't have brought this sulfuric record over and had my friend be like yes there's a great you know there's a great moose tea mix on there but for you like <laughs> yeah you yeah you're an artist who had a lot of work but like didn't feel embraced by community yeah me too 
<laughs> Maya, you mentioned um, this kind of hitting people over the head with these messages. And I know that um, music as a healing force is something that's really important to both of you. So I wonder if it's ever kind of tiring to bring that energy to every gig. Like I can imagine, you know, you're touring so much and in that role of showing the crowd about how music can heal or whatever other messages you want to promote. Um, it must be hard sometimes, especially, you know, if you're not feeling in a good place or if you are tired or whatever else. Um, it's also sure. like a job after all, if that makes sense. It does. Um, I mean, yes, if I'm not feeling great or I just had a terrible time at the airport and um, I have to go play a gig and, you know, maybe someone at the club hasn't been that nice to me while I'm kind of setting up. Um, sometimes that won't necessarily make me want to play those. Also, sometimes it makes me really want to dive deep into them because I need it for me to hear it in that moment. It's also... We bring a range of records with us. Um, I don't. I don't play vocals front to back. It's not like there's not other stuff in there to kind of bridge these things and 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 build different moments. So the arrangement might be different for that night, depending on what's happening. But um, let me think of it. Put it this way: also, a, a lot of the things that I like to play, people would traditionally like to call cheesy, and that's only if you want to employ it in a context where it will be um received as such if, if you're trying to kind of make it like you're playing the the big vocal because you kind of think it's a, a bit of a joke in the context um and it'll definitely land that way and sometimes when people are playing you know big euro house tunes uh in the middle of sets it kind of feels a little more cheeky than it necessarily feels reverent to what the the piece is that doesn't mean necessarily someone doesn't like what the song is I really care about what's 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 there, so I really like to weave it in um, in ways that feel really natural to what is going on. And when that vocal hits at a time where I might not feel it, be feeling great, but I think I need to hear it in that moment, and I think that someone else in the crowd might need to hear it as well. Like I'm singing along with it, and I'm I'm like I'm I'm trying to fully embrace what it is because everything that's there means something to me. But it must help that you're able, especially if you're playing back to back, it must help that you can kind of lean on each other in those contexts. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when there's when there's when there's two of us, it definitely there are times where we're having one of us might be having a harder day than the other person or something's happened. And it's really good to be there with your partner to kind of uh, move through that moment and um, have someone next to you that, you know, supports you and loves you. And also will just kind of be there with you if it's uh if you're having a hard time oh and, and when boy when things are great i mean to be able to share it because it's it's one thing we talk to our other friends who are djs and they tour and it's just weird because you're always kind of like sharing something with someone that they don't have any really subjective connection yeah so we get to yeah we get to we get to really uh, um just just hold those hold those moments together and then get to process it together also because sometimes when you have a if you have a great night especially as a touring dj and then you have to go back to the airport a couple hours later and you're still kind of buzzing with adrenaline and the feeling of what's happening it's also it's you, you definitely i don't know you feel like an alien in the moment kind of moving through the space you're like this is such a different <laughs> yeah. life i'm leaving this i don't under you know it's it's hard to kind of reintegrate at that moment. Being together lets us kind of reintegrate together. Yeah, we call it processing. So yeah. after that, <laughs> we process. And when we before we tour together, we call each other and do that for each other. Yes, which was really nice. It was some of our earliest talks about music. 
So what else contributes to the success of your back-to-backs? Like, I'm guessing that something like sound quality is really important for your performances. I know that you just um, were touring on a custom-built sound system. Um, So how is that all working for you guys? Is that kind of bringing you closer to achieving exactly the sound and vibe that you really want for a DJ set? It's a constant battle. I mean, it feels like a, a, a Sisyphean task most of the time. I mean, we're, we are throwing everything we can both at the, at the level of like how our events are organized when they're third party events, how the residencies we do are organized, how our sound systems being run, the events we choose to play, but it's tough. You know, we walk into a lot of situations where we've been invited to play, for example, you know, something, a great club or a great Um, festival with a really great reputation but you know they are not really hosting a lot of vinyl djs these days and Maya and i have such specific requirements because not only are we vinyl djs we have a really what appears to be a pretty unique playing style um we're aggressive with the decks we move around a lot (laughs) um there's tons of physical interaction happening especially when there's two of us together so we actually have like a special stage rider and stuff that goes out and if people want to book us and they're, you know, they either are going to agree to work with us six to eight months in advance to kind of get make that happen. So we have like basically a dedicated riser. So um, our decks are fully isolated or we we don't want to do it because we don't want to um, we don't want to really put our people that come to see us in the position of you know hearing something that doesn't sound great, because sometimes it doesn't sound great. And I, I would guess anyone who's who's really followed us closely for years they probably have been to at least one set where it's just like the, there's feedback and and it and the records just weren't hidden because the because the system was tuned for such different music but so we're always trying to kind of like get ahead of that stuff and so our investment in our sound system was like definitely us kind of taking um a lot of the honestly the money we've earned as as artists and 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 trying to say okay we don't want to go play a club in X city in the United States and play on this crummy sound system for some, honestly, some guy that doesn't care and, yeah. and wants to sell alcohol. Yeah. When, when we can, when we have the means and we, we have a community of really amazing technical people around us that want to like contribute to this effort. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. You know, it seemed like the right thing to do and <laughs> the right thing to do. Um, cause the music it's, it's like, especially house music, there's just a certain frequency. It's got to hit you. I mean, that's what unlocks like the mother beat or what unlocks, you know, whatever this, mm-hmm. this extra layer, this music has uh, as not just party music. And, and I think, you know, make my job easier trying to do that. I want the best system possible. So that like, so the music feels part of nature. So it resonates in your body. So that kick drum moves through you like a heart. Instead of just noise and loudness. <laughs> it's, and it's just I, like a, us, us getting a sound system. Yeah, it's very much just. It's it's like I said, I, I don't there's there's nothing else. I, I I can't do any anything else. Like when it comes to music, making music and, and performing and DJing and, 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 and it's like that's what I that's really the only thing I'm like uh, good at and uh, that I like and that I get satisfaction from um, when it comes to doing these things. So so really trying to move towards a space where we're controlling more aspects of it so that we have great sound, good setups. We're working with people we really care about. We're trying to bring it out into spaces 
that aren't traditional clubs and for her and I trying to de-emphasize the focus of having alcohol being sold at a party was be pretty you know, important aspect of what we really care about um, with dance music. Is this all translating also to your productions? Um, Eris, you said something about like bringing, bringing your music to the next level, um, like beyond just being party music. Um, so are you thinking about all of that when you're producing in order to like have everything sound as good as possible when it's eventually played out? I, okay, this is interesting. Um, well, I, okay, so as a producer, I find myself in a really strange liminal space. Because on the one hand, like, yes, I am a DJ. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, my job is not to play records, actually, primarily. It's to play sound systems. Mm -hmm. So I have to pair the best records I have for the particular sound systems I'm, uh, I'm playing that, that carry my sound. So I'm not talking about breaching that gap, like, breaching that membrane. Like, I'm playing my sound. But I have to be cognizant of how those records are translating because if I'm not, they're not going to move people and build heat and mm. do all the things I want them to do. So for me, it's very democratic. Like, <laughs> you know, whatever system I, I am, I want to be paying um, paying some attention to that. So um, when it comes to your production. Yeah. So when it comes to my productions, what I want the cleanest, most articulate, most the, the, the sound for the system Yes, but but the way I produce is much more textured and collaged. And if I were to like kind of just go after sound, I think my 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 I think I would lose track of myself as a musician and enter a world where I would be focusing more just as an engineer. So what I try to do now is, and this is a traditional approach, is I I, I put on my songwriter hat and I write the music, 
And then I engineer that music as good as I possibly can to sound in the club and on vinyl. Um, and that last part's important. That's, that's not an afterthought. You have to, at the recording stage, think if you want to record your music to vinyl and have it be really loud and clear. There, there are do's and don'ts, mm. as, which is a function of the substrate. It's just a function of the physics and of the substance. Like it's not, this is not subjective. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, listening to all of that, it's like quite striking as somebody who doesn't make music. It's a lot of things to be thinking about, as well as, you know, when you're making music for your own label, you're also thinking about how does this feel cohesive with everything else we're releasing and how does it fit with the message that we want to send? Um, so how are you achieving that, like kind of bringing together everything all at once? Well, I mean, I think, you know, Maya and I have both been, I, I have a 30-year career as a DJ or career. Life is a DJ. <laughs> Life is a, not a career. <laughs> I have a blooming life as a career DJ. <laughs> but I've been DJing a long time. Maya and I have both a lot of history with music. I've been DJing like 30 years. Um, she's been a musician now for 20 plus years, 22 years. But now is the time where we decided to start this record label together when we found each other. So I think working together really helps us with that. Like my there's a traditional person in a record label who picks the releases they're called an A&R so arts and repertoire so we serve as the A&R panel for T for T Lebogy and we get together and so when when one of us does work the other one is that person to the extent and to the to the degree to which the other person wants them involved so at the point why it's ready she says I want to play you this maximum what do you think you know, we're so sad. I think I got a great melody here. How do you like this song? You know, and when it's really raw, you know, so, so we kind of like, um, you know, we're that, but mm. it's super light because we're, we're a record label that's just focused on like putting out great music. We don't mm -hmm. have other concerns, so we can trust each other. And when working with um, friends, I mean, our, our, our label is very much about working with other trans and non-binary people um, mm -hmm. because we just want there's a, there's a moment right now, at least within our community, where lots of people are being showcased and are, are going out DJing and getting getting gigs. And um, I'm seeing more trans representation than ever before, um, which is really fantastic. But at the same time, it's uh, it, uh, like for her and I as vinyl-only DJs, sometimes I see a lot of really great music that's coming out from people and I can't I can't play it <laughs> um, mm -hmm. just because I, I, I've made this I've made this. Um, this choice with my DJ and with how I want to interact with the music. So part of us doing this label and doing this work together is also to be working with other artists that we care about um, that also kind of see and think about this music in the same way that we do um, and to help present their music on vinyl or as great mixes and do gigs together and put good PR behind their work so it doesn't just kind of disappear to the wind. You know, I just like, we really want to make, we really want to try to help elevate these people that we really, really care about and um, hopefully be helpful on the path towards um, their success and, and the things that they want to do uh, with their music. We wanted to run a really traditional record label. We work with the same artists over time where basically they come to us with their awesome project and we're like, yes. And then like, it's basically like, get out of the way as much as possible. Like, get the best mastering, make sure the, the length of the records is the correct length. Like Maya and I are there to make sure that these records are produced as beautifully as they can be. Um, and otherwise to get out of the way of the artists that we absolutely appreciate. And that's a huge thing with trans people is that people are always putting context around us. Look at all these freaking laws that people are passing. They don't know anything about our stories, our bodies, 
who we are, what our life stories are like. So at the record label level, um, we think it's really important to create an environment where it's like the artists are just basically getting to be themselves and getting to put whatever context around their work. That could be no context too. Mm. It could be a decision to be, you know, to not provide certain context or whatever. You know, mm. we're, we're facilitators in that respect. Yes. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, I feel like if there's a through line with all of the T for T releases is that there's really this sense of joy, albeit in different ways, but in, in all of the releases, I think that there's that kind of sense of like playfulness and joy. And I was going to ask if you kind of, you know, if there's some, I don't know, imaginary spreadsheet that you give people to like <laughs> help them get there, get to that place. But I guess it just comes about really naturally. It sounds like. It, it's, it, it, it's about, it's about what the, artists that we're working with is wanting to do like um I've talked to a couple people um you know to ask for demos or something like that mm-hmm. they've been like uh, you know I, I w- want to do this type of record for you or I'm thinking about this other thing and I'll, my response is that actually I'm I'm actually asking I'm not asking for something to be molded to what her and I like it's, it's what I actually want is just I care about who the artist is and I really want them to create the work that that they want to create not try to like change to a mold for what um we would need from them because it's what her and I do it's like it, it's it's especially in asking someone I'm just like I'm, I'm looking I, I I want something from you because I, I like what you do and and that that's a that's a wider spread net than necessarily joyful playfulness yeah yeah I would want to take yeah I, I guess I would take like I mean there have I mean there have been so far a certain ecstaticness to all the releases for sure. Um, but you know, there's always like this mix of ecstatic and then this more low frequency thing that's that's happening, sort of mysterious thing, this thing that's like her song that we started talking about, which is not a high energy dance song by any means. There's not even a beat in that song. And there's something almost a little of like the distance of like of the mystery of nature, not just its beauty, if you know what I mean, of the death cycle of life, you know, these kinds of things. So I'm excited for you to hear what's coming forth on the label because there are artists that are exploring their own sort of sonic topologies. And, you know, one example would be Russell Butler, who's going to release an album with us. And also um, our, our Rose is going to be releasing a project. With us. Um, both Both artists who definitely have have sounds that that you know i don't think would be described as jubilant you know <laughs> oh. oh yeah but they but they, but they're both artists that definitely um work in some of the same spaces and ideas and th- these things that that are, are present in what we love about dance music in general and what we love about the american underground which is very much like artists of different types getting together and like even the parties reflecting that where there's the beginning of the party might be like a stronger sound or like something more to crack you open something more kind of in the head and then and the only party ends with something more of the body and more about love and you know and so and like everybody's getting together and, and everyone's hanging out and this person might play hard techno and this person plays something really like soft or you know she likes pianos and they would never play a piano and they're saying well we're friends and like because because it seems small here like if unless you want to be alone and, in the you know, u.s yeah <laughs> you 
themselves as artists in a way. So artists want to be around other artists and they don't want to be around carbon copies of each other either. Like when I see yeah. that stuff other places, I'm like, this is weird. Her, her, like, I have no interest in having a whole bunch of Aris and Maya's around. There's already there's <laughs> two of these chickens that That's are already plenty. <laughs> we, we, the, thing, the thing we love about our, our friends that we that we work with a lot, like Adab and, and Karen and Laveau and Beige and Russell, it's just like these, 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 these people that have, have, we hear the through line and, and what they're constantly exploring and the same things that, that we love. They just, they, they have a different, not different. We have shared corners, but they have, they, they have spaces, they have, their they have their own sounds and they have their own, they have their space that they're exploring within that. And yeah, we love what they do because we hear, we hear that in it as well. And so when you talk about this sort of stuff with each other, like what your hopes are for the label or what, what artists you want to release or your back-to-backs or when you're actually recording together as Alchemical Sisters, do you ever get nervous about talking with each other about it? Like for me, for example, uh, whenever I have to work with my partner on something, I get a little bit sort of vulnerable and like a little nervous putting on my sort of work face with him. Uh, and I wonder if it's kind of a vulnerable experience for you as well, working together. Yes. Yes and no. <laughs> until I was until I was with her, I, I, I would mm-hmm. never, ever share my music with anyone that was not a label that I was planning on releasing with. So my friends would not hear the music I was working on. They might if it was in a live set, but I would never go to my friend's house and be like, so I'm working on a new EP. I have three demos. Will you listen to them with me and give me some feedback? No fucking way would I ever (laughs) do that. (laughs) It was terrifying. And constantly I'd be like, I just don't, that's not, that's not what I can do. And then I found her and then that all changed. And now it's like, I love, I, I, it's 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 vulnerable but i also love just like i don't know playing playing stuff and presenting it and bouncing back from you and being like what do you think about this and her being like it's it's not good <laughs> no she never said that but it's just like like that would be that wouldn't that would be okay with me because i i finally have someone that i have so much trust in that i could i could um share that vulnerability with and it's still a vulnerable moment though it's still terrifying sometimes and it's not like she needed to like open her heart like it was good she was guarded before it was good that that ego part of herself you know everyone's spirituality talks about ego dissolution Part of spirituality is actually knowing when to use have your ego, and and for her it was really important for her as an artist to, to be like, look, this guy wants me to get an engineer for my project. No, I'm an engineer my own. You know, this person thinks I should do this. But here, I'm not going to listen to that. So it's interesting. Any artist has to decide who they're going to let in to to their process, and mm. you know, for me, you know, I I just felt like people didn't really connect with my music on like this. This level, like I have friends who really supported what I did, you know, but they'd be like, oh, that's good. That sounds like low soul. Look all things. <laughs> you hear anything different? You know? <laughs> but I also love to know I maybe wasn't quite where I wanted to be with my music either, though, you know. Mm. So with, with Maya, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's like we're true peers and I try. She believes in me. Like, that's the thing. Yes. I know she believes in me. So if she's like, I think that hi hat needs to be louder. Like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, we're working. This is we're our our project we're doing right now together is Alchemical Sisters, which is her and I mm-hmm. producing together for the first time. Essentially, we've done two remixes 
Um, but that, of course, is working with someone else's material and then putting it together, which is just, for those, it's her and I getting together and eating mushrooms for days on end and just kind of um, <laughs> seeing what comes comes out of that process. Uh, that's true of Alchemical Sisters right now. <laughs> um, it's a different process. I don't know. I really, it's... It's, it's like a rock and roll big beat project. So we're like, let, we're letting ourselves go. Like, this is a course. I've been rubbed you fun. Like I said, I've been, I've been making music by myself for a long, a long time. When I was first learning music, I was, I was doing it with two, with, with a few other friends um, for the first few years until I moved to New York. Um, so the first probably six years of me working on music was uh, a lot of it with friends and people and bands and, and doing these things. I then had a long period after that where it was just me by myself doing everything on my own. So it's been really nice to like kind of be a band, a band again, especially because she can kind of play guitar and I can't. So it's really exciting to be like, to like work on something. I'm like, you should put some guitar on that. <laughs> But I could like, yeah, but I'm, yeah, I couldn't even like do that if I right. Like I'm like, I've, I've, I've been playing with groove boxes for for <laughs> twenty years, and she hasn't. So I can like, like I I can't play the guitar, but yeah, I can write I can write lines on a three hundred three pretty pretty fucking quick, and we're writing it all so we can do it live. Yeah, it's, it's just I don't know. It's really it's it's really fun. But the tracks have our dance energy and stuff. So like it doesn't sound like I I the the namesake's kind of like a riff on Chemical Brothers, but like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a really fun. Space to just kind of explore with her, which I hadn't done before. We like Big Beat, but the truth is, there's not there the Big Beat that got popular. You know, there's a few really great tracks, but there was a lot of like just really bad stuff. And then Moby got famous with that stuff <laughs> by like going through and like the American folk music like historical recordings and like not doing that in a way that was appropriate. And like so, the genre is kind of one of these genres where a lot of people are like, yeah, let's hope that doesn't come back. But the truth is. <laughs> Everybody watch out. <laughs> all that stuff happened way too fast in the 90s. That's why people are making hardcore and jungle and all this stuff again because it's so interesting that music is so beautiful and amazing and and it was the music of the future. So it's just be being the music of the future. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't need to go away. So I feel like Big Beat, you know, though could really use with a, a revisiting. But so like talking about feeling really free to just express yourself in whatever way and, you know, go with whatever genre you like. And, you know, earlier we were talking about playing together and having that kind of freedom and um, also this vulnerability that we just mentioned, like, is all of that contributing to, like, the ultimate freedom for you guys as as artists? Um, like that sort of dance floor euphoria, is that just, like, the goal for you? I don't think so. I mean, I think that's like why why Maya and I have made sort of music music education and stuff such like a key part of what we do. Because I think like music kind of saved our lives long before we had those experiences. You know, mm. I'm getting to do this is like the icing on the cake of a, a life spent with music. You know, I I I developed this very personal relationship with synthesizers and then records and sound and and it got me through all this stuff and I, I built this special kind of set of little techniques around that and it changed my life. And so, I mean, I don't know, I think like, I, th I think those, those high moments are, are amazing and, and I want to provide them to people. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely. And, and, and if I can help someone that sort of um, have a subjective 
powerfully subjective experience in their life, then yeah, but I would, but it's not all, yeah. it's not all it is. And so I yeah. guess I just want to say it's not the, the singular focus. Mm-hmm. And we also, we also don't necessarily, you know, her, her and my ethos is that, you know, the dance floor is not utopia. Hmm. We, we explore ecstaticness and, and euphoria and ecstasy and, and things like this and the, the work that we do, because so much of that music, like you were saying, this was, was brought forth so much in our own lives, but it's not to operate under the assumption that that's, that that's it. Yeah. I've been doing this drop lately. I see the future. I see the future. And I'm kind of like, it's in a moment where the party really feels connected and the people are really special. And I feel like this is like, like, this is like nothing I've ever experienced before. This is a good drop because it suggests possibilities, but it like, that's, that's the most. It gives people a subjective experience that actually matters and suggests possibilities. But we don't live in the, we don't live in these spaces. And mm. when people try to, it, it tends to get pretty, pretty um, dark, actually. You know, we've yes. both experienced that. Mm. We both try to kind of live our whole lives inside, inside like a, a dance music, you know, partying and all the time, stuff like that. And it just, it's not, it's not everything. So, you know, like, yeah, that's not the, definitely not the ultimate. I, ideal or message in the music yeah i mean yes of course but both of us both of us yeah really like to we both had an extremely hedonistic time Mm -hmm. um and there was a lot of pain that came with that uh along the way and and bruises and scars that that were left over from it and it's with that idea that you know it's just really drilling down down into that we we really care about like um I don't know, balance. The experiences I had when I was young shook me up so much. I didn't know how to integrate them into my everyday life. Like rave experiences were these powerful, ecstatic, beautiful things. And I went back to this mundane world, which didn't even see me as like the human being I was. And it's just like hard to, anyway, I think a lot of people feel caught in that. And so what, what would you say is sort of the goal or the message for you these days then? Find each other. You know? That's Use the music as a technology. It's not just made with technology. It is a technology that humans use to find each other. Be who you want to be. Let your body be free. Yeah. You've been listening to Eris Drew and Octo Octa for Air Podcast, episode 58. We'll be back on the last Wednesday of the month, so check back in September for another episode. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at at underscore air podcast or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash air podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.